Welcome to the AWS Edge Chat Podcast. I'm a specialized solution architect with a passion around Edge. In each episode, I'll dive into the world of Edge, talk about interesting developments, what you need to know, and what it means to our customers. Hello, my name is Shane Baldacino, and this is episode two of the AWS Edge Chat Podcast. Wow, what a pilot episode. Lots of feedback. Edge Chat is in the MVP stage, or should I say, minimum lovable product. The experiment has proven itself, and I'm glad to be back to bring you this month's Edge Roundup, covering the month of October 2020 as we lead into reInvent season. Remember, feedback will help steer the direction of this show. What works, what doesn't work? What would you like to hear more of? And at this infancy stage of this show, if you need Edge Services help, drop us a message, balshane at amazon.com. In this month's episode, I will cover six items. So by my calculations, we have two to three minutes each. So best I get started. And let's start with some CloudFront Edge location updates. Two new Edge locations in two new countries. So CloudFront has expanded its footprint into Mexico and New Zealand. In Mexico, our two new Edge locations are gonna provide viewers as much as 30% reduction in P90 latency and the Edge locations are priced within CloudFront's North America geographic region. In New Zealand, our two new Edge locations are going to provide viewers as much as a 50% reduction in P90 latency measures. And these edge locations are priced within CloudFront's Australian geographic region. So this brings our pop count to 220 plus with 210 plus edge locations and 12 regional edge caches. Sticking with CloudFront, let's talk about Origin Shield, which is a large feature update for CloudFront and it's already yielding some great user benefits and something I wanna spend a little bit more time covering. But before I do that, I wanna talk about the merits of using CloudFront, which is our ever growing CDN platform. From fiscal savings, and hey, I've never met a customer who doesn't want to save money through to increasing your security posture by preventing end users directly accessing your origin and improving performance, you know, reducing the distance for those bits to travel. If your application is publicly accessible, CloudFront is going to improve performance, reduce costs and increase your security posture. So a rather large feature announcement that has been in the works for some time is Origin Shield. CloudFront is comprised of multiple layers. So we've got edge locations sitting at the edge, you know, they're dealing with end users, the first layer of cache. There's a mapping between our edge locations and our 12 recs or regional edge caches. And only if there's a cache miss in the regional edge cache, do we access the origin. I think the easiest way to describe a regional edge cache is it's an intermediary layer between the edge location servicing the request and the origin. As objects become less popular in individual points of presence, you know, those edge locations, we might remove those objects to make room for more popular content. Regional edge caches have a larger cache than edge locations. This helps keep more of your content closer to your viewers, reducing the need for CloudFront to go back to your origin and improving the overall performance for viewers. This sounds really good, but if your application is global in nature, but you're relying on one region, you effectively have multiple regional edge caches hitting your origin. Enter CloudFront Origin Shield. So let's wheel in the virtual whiteboard again. So with this feature release, the requests from regional edge caches scattered around the world are gonna be collapsed and made not to the origin, but to the closest regional edge cache to the origin. So let that sink in again, and I'll repeat what I just said. With this feature release, the requests from regional edge caches scattered around the world are collapsed and made not to the origin, but to the closest regional edge cache to the origin. So let's dive into some of the benefits of CloudFront Origin Shield. So first is load reduction at the origin, and we've seen customers achieve as much as 10x reduction in load. 
This is a huge win here. You know, if your Origin takes time to scale, or perhaps it's very costly to run, Origin Shield can tick that box. Remember, all requests from all of CloudFront's caching layers, edge locations, original edge caches are going to go through Origin Shield, increasing the likelihood of a cache hit. And since product launch, this is what we're seeing in the field. Secondly, we see many organizations, particular media and streaming, use a multi-CDN strategy. But how do you toggle between multi-CDNs? Are you implementing these controls in code? Perhaps you're using something as simple as round-robin DNS, code toggles, or another load-balancing tier. This can be complex. So this feature update also brings an additional capability, and that is you can now perform CDN chaining. So you can now set the origin of other CDNs to use your CloudFront distribution as an origin, simplifying your topology. Origin Shield can be enabled on new and existing distributions via the console, CLI, CloudFormation, SDKs, and so on. Pricing is per every 10,000 requests, and you're only charged if the request hits your Origin Shield. So here I am in Australia, and let's say I set my Origin Shield to use our Sydney regional edge cache. If my requests are going via an edge location, which is aligned to the Sydney regional edge cache, this will not incur a charge. But let's say I take the updates above those new edge locations and the request goes via the newly released edge location in Mexico, only then will a charge apply via Origin Shield. This is a really good additional lever that the CloudFront team has brought with this update. And if your use case ticks those boxes that I've just described, it's absolutely worth looking at in detail. All right, moving on to Global Accelerator, and this is an update I'm excited about, port address translation a staple for many network devices, and this feature has made its way into Global Accelerator, making it more applicable to more workloads. Port address translation, simply put, allows you to map a list of external destination ports that your users send traffic to, to a list of internal destination ports that you want an application endpoint to receive traffic on. So by default, an accelerator is gonna route users traffic to endpoints in AWS regions using the protocol and port ranges that you specify when you create a listener. For example, if you define a listener that accepts TCP traffic on 80, so HTTP, and 443, HTTPS, the accelerator routes traffic to those ports on a given endpoint. So from late October of 2020, when you create or update an endpoint group associated to a listener, you can define different destination ports that you want the application endpoints to receive traffic on. So for example, you might want your users to send traffic to external ports on 80 and 443, but then have your endpoints receive traffic on different ports, say 1080 or 1443. You can configure port overrides for each of your accelerator endpoints by using the console, CLI, and by working with APIs. So, you know, do it programmatically. So why would you use this? It may be from security obfuscation. You're not exposing common ports, but it may also allow you to map multiple services via the same IP address on multiple ports. For example, you could have port 10,000, through to 10,010 going to port 443 on a raft of backend endpoints using the same single IP address. This update won't be for everyone, but it sharpens a knife that is Global Accelerator. Back to CloudFront. Many customers that distribute content over the internet need a means to restrict access to that content. And customers of CloudFront can leverage signed URLs and signed cookies to restrict access to that said content. So a signed URL includes additional information. So for example, an expiration date and time, so how long you've got access to the content, and it's gonna give you more control over access to your content. This additional information appears in a policy statement, which is based either on a canned policy or a custom policy. 
So in this update, CloudFront announces that you can now manage public keys used for signed URLs and signed cookies through IAM, that is Identity and Access Management based user permissions without requiring the AWS root account login. So what does that mean? Let me decipher. By using IAM user permissions, you get more flexibility in API access to manage your public keys. So up until now, as I mentioned, CloudFront required root account access for trusted signers to manage those public keys, which let's be frank, adds a lot of friction in many organizations with complex hierarchical AWS account structures, which limit access to root accounts. So with this update, you can create and manage key groups in CloudFront. So what is a key group you may ask? Well, key groups are a set of multiple public keys, which can be created by IAM users based on permissions you grant. With key groups, you don't need to use an AWS account root user to manage the public keys for CloudFront, signed URLs and signed cookies. AWS best practices recommend you don't use the root user account when you don't need to. You know, we really wanna keep this well architected and best practice is to require MFA to root access and many organizations will choose to alert when someone logs in with root credentials. With key groups, you can manage public keys and trusted signers using the CloudFront API. You can use the API to automate the key creation and key rotation. Contrast this with logging in via the root user, you know, there's no means to automate the process via the console. And as many organizations worldwide adopt the DevSecOps approach, or is that SecDevOps? Someone tell me, this can reduce you know, overall speed to market. With key groups, you can associate a higher number of public keys with your CloudFront distro, giving you more flexibility in how you use and manage the public keys. By default, you can associate up to four key groups with a single distribution, and you can have up to five public keys in a key group. Key groups can be shared with other users within your same organization, and with this launch, you can also rotate public keys via CloudFront's API for easier maintenance. You know, no longer you need to log into the console with those root credentials. To close out the show, Shield, our managed distributed denial of service protection service that safeguards applications running on AWS has an update. AWS Shield now provides global and per account event summaries to all AWS customers, not just those with Shield Advanced. These summaries provide you with an overview of all events detected by AWS Shield, such as DDoS attacks and other volumetric anomalies. The Getting Started page on the Shield console provides a preview of the Global Threat Environment Dashboard, a feature previously included as only part of Shield Advanced. The dashboard is going to show you a global heat map of event locations, the frequency and volume of events, and the most common events over the past two weeks. It's going to include a threat level that indicates whether the events detected by Shield are within expected parameters. So even if you aren't a Shield Advanced subscriber, this is going to give you a taste of the threat landscape your accounts in the AWS platform experience. Now this is going to be at the network and transport layer, but you know if you need a more granular view, um, you know, moving up the stack towards layer seven, you can subscribe to Shield Advanced. Now I've made a quick executive decision. I think we've got time for one more. So distributed load testing, something I advocate to all customers in testing their applications. It can really help understand breaking points. Perhaps you need that additional database caching layer or so on. The approach one takes can be varied from software such as Gatling through to tools like Bees with Machine Guns. Well, we have a new offering from the AWS Solutions team. If you're not up to speed with AWS Solutions Library, we offer a collection of cloud-based solutions for dozens of technical and business problems vetted for you by us, AWS. Well, they now have a one-click offering in this space that is going to help you simulate thousands of users 
connecting to your application so that you can better understand your application performance under load. The solution launches and configures containers on AWS Fargate, which is our serverless container offering, to generate a specified number of transactions per section. The solution launches and configures containers on AWS Fargate, which is our serverless container offering, to generate a specified number of transactions per second without having to provision servers. The solution is based on JMeter, so similar to bit like bees with machine guns and Gatling. However, this is open source and you know is quite popular in this community. So if you are in need of a free, other than the hosting cost for running this solution, distributed load testing solution on AWS, please take a look. So that's a wrap. I hope you found this useful and fun. I know I had fun putting this together and thanks for listening. Listeners, keep me honest. Feedback is always welcome and it helps drive the direction of this show. Drop us a message, bal shane at amazon.com. But until next time, bye for now. <laughs>